Welcome to the Person and the Power podcast with Pastor Tim Johnson, as he invites us to cultivate a deep and profound relationship with the Holy Spirit of the living and loving God. After 25 years of ministry, Pastor Tim's desire is that all of us would experience both the Spirit's transformational intimacy and the supernatural activity in our daily lives. Now, here's Pastor Tim. So I've said it before, I am sure to say it again. Michael Jordan, the greatest basketball player of all time. Sorry, no apologies to you fans of LeBron James, but the GOAT has never beaten me in a game of one-on-one. Never, not one time. Now, don't worry about the fact that we've never played. That's just a minor detail, all right? But he's never beaten me in a game of one-on-one. So I did not start playing basketball until I was probably 14. It was somewhere between the, it was between my fifth grade year and my sixth grade year. Some of you know this a little bit fact behind the story here of my basketball love, my love for basketball, my beginning in playing basketball was actually born out of years and years of bullying and years and years of being overweight. So I was in fifth grade at 189 pounds. Come on. I also had a severe speech impediment. I've talked about that before. We'll talk more about that, I'm sure, as these podcasts go on. Mrs. Eubanks, oh my gosh, basically saved my life. God used her to save my life. She was my speech therapist for years and years and years. If you remember those white trailers in the back of the schools for special ed students, well, that was me. And that was where I spent much, if not most, of my life as a student from age 6 to almost age 14, 15. So, but she helped me get over and overcome a severe speech impediment. And now I speak uh, as a big part of what I do. I speak a lot. So praise God for Mrs. Eubanks. But so 189 pounds, speech impediment. My daddy, former army, loved high and tights, haircuts, right? So I had a burr haircut, high and tights all the time. And, and if it, by the way, if you let my hair grow out, Back in the day, long, blonde, and curly. Yep, that was my hair. But nope, not for my daddy. All right. So, and also, I was prone to styes. You remember those big, ugly red sores that you would get on your eyes? Ugh. And so, you think about it. Just imagine, picture this a pretty chubby kid, 189 pounds, in fifth grade, burr haircut, couldn't talk had red blotches on his eyes almost all the time. Oh my gosh, what a target for bullying I was. And so I just remember that summer between my fifth grade year and my sixth grade year, I lost 50 pounds. Yes, 50 pounds. I went from 189 to 139. And there were two reasons. One, my daddy introduced to me was boxing. Got an old burlap bag, filled it up with foam and cloths and rags and stuffed that thing so full, hung it from a tree, a big maple tree in the backyard and gave me a pair of boxing gloves and said, just go at it, go, go for it. Muhammad Ali was of course big at the time. So I, fa- I you know, fancied myself as the next Muhammad Ali and went to town and actually boxed for about a year or two until I realized it was not so much fun to get hit in the face as I thought it would be. <laughs> so I stopped my my boxing career pretty early. But basketball was the other thing. So between boxing and basketball, I lost 50 pounds in one summer. 
And while I didn't stay with boxing, I stayed with basketball. Played in everywhere, any, anything, I, anywhere I could play, I played. Now, I didn't try out for the high school team. I never had a lot of confidence in that. I did actually play one year in junior college only because they needed a point guard who could pass. There, 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 was, there, there I was. I could pass pretty decent. And so played. And then I don't know how many of you remember Gus Macker tournaments. You remember, give a shout out if you remember Gus Macker tournaments. They were especially big. Michigan, Northern Indiana, Ohio, even in Illinois, they were pretty big. And so Gus Macker tournaments were three-on-three outdoor tournaments held during the summer. But they were you had to have four players. So just in, you know, had to have somebody to sub in and, and just in case someone got hurt. But they were all outdoors. I dragged my poor wife with small kids and I think sometimes expecting small kid, expecting a child to these basketball tournaments early in my early 20s mid 20s even into my um, my 30s uh, just for years and years and years now won several Gus Macker tournaments um, lost several <laughs> Gus Macker tournaments but had a blast and I now this is listen this is not my finest moment so but I share this to make a point with Romans 6, the, the section of Romans 6 that we're going to look at today, really, as I was reading through section uh, verses 12 through 14 of chapter 6, Romans 6, verses 12 through 14, as I read, I really felt like the Holy Spirit said, you got to go here. So as, as good as I thought I was at basketballing, I was better at trash talking. Oh my goodness! I was, whew, I was, uh, I excelled at trash talking. Again, not my finest moment. And again, long before I came to know Jesus as my Lord and Savior. Now we'll talk about this, I'm sure, as we continue podcast. But I was a very much a Christian atheist much of my adult, young adult life. I told people I was a Christian, believed I was probably a Christian, but had zero, zero relationship with the living God of the universe. So, uh, so again, uh, for me, I was a Christian atheist through and through and uh, lived my life that way. So that's how I played ball as well. So now this was not a Gus Macker tournament. The story I'm about to tell you is not from a Gus Macker tournament, but very similar. It was called Shoot the Bull. Shoot the Bull tournament, a basketball tournament in Chicago. Anybody out there know what team Michael Jordan played for? Chicago Bulls. So Michael Jordan actually sponsored the Chicago, the Chicago Bulls and Michael Jordan sponsored this tournament, Shoot the Bull. My brother-in-law up in Chicago and uh, two other friends of his, we teamed up to play in the Shoot the Bull. The very first year we played, we won, come on, we won our league. Now, it wasn't the overall winner. We weren't that good, but we did win our division. I think we went something like 5-0, and 6-0, whatever it is. We, I don't think we lost the game. And we won the tournament. We, I, I still remember to this day getting uh, uh, the Chicago Bulls sweatsuits, uh, jackets, and pants. Uh, we got trophies. I think we got an individual trophy. Uh, I think we may have even gotten a basketball. I can't remember all of what we got. But I remember uh, winning the tournament. That, again, our division. And it was grand and glorious. I still remember the celebration. Uh, 
the next year, we wanted to do it again. Because if we, we're, we are returning champions, come on, we're, we want to do the, the, the repeat, right? So Chicago Bulls are famous for th- two three-peats. They won three championships in a row, and then a couple years later, they won three championships again in a row. So we wanted to do the repeat. So we joined the, we, we signed up for Shoot the Bull the following year. I don't know if it was 1991 or 1992. That makes, it does matter because I was married April the 6th of 1991. It was either that summer or the following summer because it was the very first time that my new in-laws got to watch me play basketball in public. That matters. <laughs> Unfortunately, that matters. So. This repeat attempt did not go well. I don't know if we lost the very first game or the second game, but we lost one of them. And so we instantly went into the loser's bracket. We still could keep playing, but we did not fare well. And this game that we were playing in, I think it was a Saturday afternoon, two or three o'clock. Here it is, downtown Chicago. They're all outside games, pretty much regardless of the weather. I believe this was a pretty sunny, warm day. We, now I'm six foot, barely six foot one, barely six foot one. If I stand up really straight, good posture, I'm six foot one. And at the time, probably I went at 165, maybe, maybe 170, maybe. And I, a lot of times, while I guarded, sometimes I played guard in that position and sometimes shooting guard, sometimes passing guard. But a lot of times I would pair up with somebody much, much taller, much wider, much bigger than myself. I will tell you that I was pretty good at defense. I was pretty, pretty, pretty tenacious at, on the defensive end of, of, of basketball. I had a decent offensive game. I think I could pass pretty well and I could shoot decent. I was a streaky shooter. If I was on, I was on. If I wasn't, I wasn't. But for defense, I had another weapon besides just my speed and my defensive prowess, trash talking. Yeah, I I got into people's heads and unfortunately not in the most godly of way. Again, had no relationship with God, not trying to make excuses, just letting you know I was my trash talking and my basketball balling. My basketballing and my trash talking were uh, on par with each other as far as uh, what I felt like was most important. And so here I am, this game, we'd lost at least one game. We may have lost the second game by this point. We're in the loser's bracket. There's no way we're going to, looks like there's no way we're going to repeat, okay? There is a way sometimes to come out of a loser's bracket, but we weren't going to do that in this game. So we were now just playing for pride. We were already a little bit miffed. I know I was... Uh, pretty much ticked off because we weren't going to repeat. And here we are playing against this team. They were beating us. And I was paired up against easily this seven foot eight, 350 pound monster. Okay, maybe not. So, maybe not. Uh, maybe it was Michael Jordan himself in disguise. I think that's what it was. Michael Jordan in disguise. This guy was about 250. And six foot, no, no kidding, no exaggeration, probably six, six, uh, six, five, six, six, four, five, six inches taller than me and easily almost a hundred pounds heavier than me. 
And he basically was having his way. And I was doing everything I could, pushing him and elbowing him in the back. I was doing everything. I was probably fouling him on every play. You know, it's call your own. Praise God, they didn't have five fouls. You're out at that point. So, but I was doing everything I could to keep this guy from scoring. And he was scoring and we were losing. I remember we were losing the game. And again, I remember this guy was pretty much dominating me. And so I was not able to win against them or play well against them just with my basketball. So I had to resort to my trash talking. And so I did. I started just ripping into him, uh, talking to him. I won't even repeat the things uh, that I may have said to him. I don't remember most of them, thanks be to God, but I just know me at the time. Uh, there was nothing out of bounds and nothing off limits in my trash talking. So I could tell I was getting him frustrated. He started missing some shots. We started hitting some shots. And I'm thinking it's working. So guess what? That ramps me up. I'm going to do more trash talking. He started just really getting frustrated. I could tell. And we were having, we were getting the momentum. Our team was gaining the momentum. And in basketball, as in most sports, momentum is, is big. So we started seeing the game turn until at one point, here he is backing me down. So he's posting me up, as they say, right? He's got the ball. He's dribbling the ball with his left hand. And I am, I've got my left arm up against his back. My right arm is trying to reach around, trying to knock the ball around, which I, I was very successful at doing most of the time without fouling. Must, I, 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 do, I, I do admit I did not foul as much when I was trying to reach around. But as he's backing me in, I'm trash talking him. And I could tell he's been getting frustrated and frustrated and more frustrated. And all of a sudden, he, he's dribbling with his left hand. You got the visual, right? He takes his right arm and what's called in basketball, he measures me. He looks behind me. He looks behind himself. He looks behind. He sees me. He measures where he needs to take his elbow. Yep. And hits me right square in the nose. The reason I have such a crooked kind of big nose is one reason is because it got broke that day. I believe it got broke that day because all of a sudden I was stunned. I saw stars and there was a lot of blood. Well, when I saw the blood, it was on. I tore into him. I started flinging around. I mean, fist after fist. He hit me. I hit him. Oh my gosh. Police were called. The Chicago police were called to our court. And do you remember what I said earlier in the podcast? This was the first game that Pam's mom and dad were there to watch. Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. We ended up losing. I had blood all over me. I couldn't go back in because I couldn't stop the bleeding from my nose. He actually went back in a little bit later. They ended up beating us, and I still remember the Chicago police stood there, stayed there on the court just in case another riot broke out. Thanks be to Tim Johnson's trash talking and um, basketballing. <laughs> All right, what in the world does this have to do with Romans 6, 12 through 14? Listen 
to read. Listen, as I read this, I encourage you to read this passage, dig into it. Romans 6, 7, and 8 are those three chapters I've told you before that if I could have any three chapters in all of the Bible with me on a deserted island, in prison, whatever it is, these three would be it. Verses 12 through 14, do not let sin control the way you live. Why? Because Paul had just said that the, that sin, the power of sin was dead. We're supposed to be dead to the power of sin and alive to the power of Christ. Do not let sin control the way you live. Do not give in to sinful desires. Here it is. Do not let any part of your body become an instrument. Somebody say instrument, keyword. Do not let any part of your body become an instrument of evil to serve sin. Instead, give yourselves completely to God, for you were dead, but now you have new life. Here it is. So use your whole body as an instrument. Somebody say instrument. As an instrument to do what is right for the glory of God. Verse 14, sin is no longer your master, for you no longer live under the requirements of the law. Instead, you live under the freedom of God's grace. Praise be to God. On that basketball court in 1991 and 1992, whichever summer that was, with my mom and my dad, my father-in-law, my mother-in-law, I called them basically mom and dad, but when I, they were watching me and they watched me lose my temper, but before I did that, they watched me trash talk. They watched me become an instrument to sin. They watched me become an instrument to basketball and to trash talk. And they watched, so think about this word instrument. It says, do not let any part of your body. So in that basketball game, and I was reading this part of uh, Romans 6, I really felt like the Holy Spirit led me to that place and moment of history of time in my life where I not only allowed my body to become an instrument. I played basketball. I, I was, uh, uh, I was uh, bodying the guy up. I was playing defense. I was tapping the ball away as best as I could. I, I, was, I was doing everything I could to disrupt my opponent. But I was also allowing my tongue to be an instrument. In fact, my tongue, I believe, turned the tide and caused that ugly moment because the more I trash talked, the more he got angrier and angrier and more frustrated. I also, and here's really probably the important part, I allowed my mind to become an instrument. So I, re- I wanted to win at all costs. So in basketball, I had let my body be an instrument. I had let my tongue be an instrument for trash talking. And I had allowed my mind to be an instrument to think the number one goal here was to win the game, right? Now, I love basketball today. I play still from time to time. Uh, I like to think that as a 58-year-old, I can still hoop it up every now and then, uh, even though when I go home, I feel like I've been uh, hit by a truck, you know? But I still think that I've got game. I still want to believe that I can hoop it up with the best of them sometimes. But I do know this. The desire, the heart, and the motivation to play is vastly different. No more trash talking. There is no more of this competitiveness that I have to win. I love basketball. I, it's, it's been a part of my life for years and years and years and years and years. But where it was in my 20s and 30s is not where it is now. And that's because I've not allowed it to be an instrument to serve sin. Yes, I really do believe that basketball 
became an addiction for me and basketball became sinful for me in the tw- when I was in my 20s and 30s. Now, again, I say that not because basketball is sinful, but because of how I allowed it become to become the master of my life. It became truly the, the master. It says sin, verse 16, or I'm sorry, verse 14. Sin is no longer your master. So Jesus is my master. The fruit of the Spirit is my goal. The being filled with the Spirit, uh, serving the kingdom, that is my motivation. No longer do I trash talk, hopefully and prayerfully, do I talk of the kingdom, I kingdom talk, I prayer talk, I, uh, I spirit talk, I Jesus talk, not trash talk. So, so I just, I, this word instrument is, is really a, a part of the body that should, this idea in the Greek is, am I controlling the instrument, listen now, or is the instrument controlling me? So an instrument is only a part of a body or part of the machinery, right? An instrument is only a part or a piece. And so what Paul is saying here, are you allowing that part or that piece to control your whole body? And I was, I was. Now, again, part of that shame was actually thinking, here's my mom and my dad, my mother and father-in-law, watching for the very first time Literally, the very first time they ever watched me play basketball in public, I get into a fist fight, blood all over me, trash talking like a fool, and the Chicago police are called to my my court to keep the riot from happening again. Now, they're from they were from Chicago, and so let's just say they were probably hollering on the sideline as much as I was on the court. <laughs> so so but in retrospect, I look back and think, ay ay ay. What, what an impression, what, what foolishness, and what an instrument I was. Is that making sense? What an instrument. So if I realize that sin is dead in my life, my tongue can be an instrument now for Christ. My hands, my feet, my eyes, my mind, my heart, every part of the body Parts of the body are instruments. Every part of the body, every instrument of my body now serves a different master. The master in 1991, 1992 was basketball. And for me, it became sinful the way I treated it. I'm so blessed in this verse to know that as Paul tells the Romans, I am reminded that I have a new master I serve under a new master. I let I now use my instruments for the glory of God, all by God's grace. That's what it says. You use now your whole body as an instrument to do what is right for the glory of God. So I am blessed to know now that God has, has reminded me by the work of the cross of Christ and by the power of the Holy Spirit in me, I am reminded that sin and the power of sin is dead. I no longer, I no longer am under compulsion or I am no longer, uh, I have to let my instruments be used for sinful purposes. Instead, I can choose by serving my master, Jesus, to let my instruments be used for the kingdom of God and for the glory of God. Praise be to God. Amen. So as you read Romans 6, 12, 13, and 14, today, throughout the next 
couple of days as you've listened to this podcast, I want to challenge you. What part of the body, what instrument, tongue, mind, eyes, hands, feet, do you need to make sure that it's no longer serving sin, but it is serving God. It is serving a new master. And therefore, the instruments that had been used for sinful purposes are now used for the glory of God. Be blessed in Jesus' name. Pastor Tim is the co-founder and teaching director of the Joshua Center, a leadership training ministry which provides deep biblical roots to great movements of God. He's also the senior pastor of Firmers Chapel, a country church by a creek, reaching 13 countries on four different continents for Jesus and his kingdom. Join us next time as we grow deeper in the person and the power.